Hi friends, my name is Eric Barnett and I'm a singer-songwriter based out of Charleston, South Carolina and you're listening to Songs of the Unsung. Songs of the Unsung is a podcast where I sit and talk shop with other local singer-songwriters and they share some of their music. This week's guest is Fleming Moore. Before I get to Fleming, I just want to thank everyone who came out to the second songwriter showcase at Freehouse Brewery that we had on January 23rd. It was a great crowd, even though the weather pushed us inside. There was great sets from Scotty Oliver, Dan Riley, and Chris Dotson. There's going to be videos from that show coming up on our YouTube channel in the next couple weeks. The next showcase is February 13th. If you guys are sports fans, you know that is Super Bowl Sunday. Great scheduling on my part, but think of this as a pregame. So come out to Freehouse Brewery to see Fleming Moore, Daniel Howell, and Robert Lighthouse, and grab some beers to go for the big game. Freehouse is an organic brewery, tap room, and outdoor beer garden situated on the banks of the historic and natural Ashley River. We brew beer as we wish it to be, organic, local, and seasonal. With over 24 taps, including gluten-free options and house-made organic lemonade, we have something for all palates. Freehouse is open to everyone and welcomes all guests with a smile and a cold beer. Inquire about hosting your event or special occasion with us at info at freehousebeer.com. This week's guest is Fleming Moore. Fleming is a musician, an actor, and a former mayoral candidate for Somerville, South Carolina, the place of his birth. Fleming's incredibly active in the local music and arts scene around the Charleston area. He started Bummerville Amphitheater, is a regular at the Songwriter Soapbox over at Chico Feo, and also had a web series called The Podunks. Fleming's a really interesting guy. He's faithfully irreverent, Really funny, has a lot of interesting stories, and you never quite know what he's going to say. Fleming will be on the third Singer-Songwriter Showcase over at Freehouse Brewing on February 13th with Danielle Howell and Robert Lighthouse. Enjoy my conversation with Fleming Moore. Hey Fleming, how you doing man? I'm good Eric, good to see you. Good to have you here man. Uh, looking forward to the show that we're doing at Freehouse Brewery. It's going to be uh, February 13th, Super Bowl Sunday of all days, we chose. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> but it's going to be you and Daniel Howell and Robert Lighthouse, and it'll be really nice to hear everybody play their songs and tell their stories. Cool. <laughs> so... um. So are we playing during halftime or no? No, uh, it's uh, it's earlier in the day. I'm pretty sure. No, I mean, like, I thought they might be streaming us in live into the. Super oh Bowl. yeah, I, probably yeah. <laughs> so I first met Fleming, actually, uh, when I first moved to town, I was going to Holy City Confessionals quite a bit at Home Team Barbecue, and ran into Daniel Hal quite a few times, and she said Fleming Moore is a guy you need to meet. So I think one time you came out and I met you and I think we both might have been a little standoffish at first, but uh, I remember at the time you were gearing up to run for mayor of Somerville. <laughs> uh, shady for mayor was the hashtag. Yes, sir. And uh, you want to you wanna talk about that or just we can skip right by that if you, if you want to? No, it's, <laughs> you know... I was waiting, running for governor there for a while, so. I'd vote for you. Yeah. But, rather, uh, rather than that guy we have, yeah. Well, we just don't have choices. And uh, I would say anybody wants to run for something to run, not with the expectation of winning, but with the, with the knowledge that you can uh, change the narrative. Right on. You know. And, right on. And then you can decide what the lesser two evils are <laughs> and then help the lesser two evils get elected. Well, I would hope at the very least, even though you didn't pull through on that election, I, I hope at the very least you had people questioning their candidates and, and looking at the issues a little bit more than they were before. 
Well, they for, people forget so quickly. I actually went back. One of the reasons I ran is because you mentioned I'm acting now, and uh, I thought running for mayor would be a, a perfect opportunity to hone my performance artist skills. Okay. You know, in debates yeah. and, and dealing with interviews that you have yeah. to deal with. So it was a learning experience for that that part of it, which was cool. So I went back and looked at some of my old, old videos. So what I was doing was slamming them with Facebook videos. Yeah, yeah. And actually, one of the, I was being interviewed by Channel 5, and what I had to say made perfect sense to me, <laughs> even <laughs> though I don't remember hardly even saying it at the time because, you know, they're interviewing you and putting, yeah, putting yeah. you on the spot. But I was right. like, well, God, I would have voted for that guy. You know, well, good. But, I mean, it's good to be, but everything's back to the new normal. You know, building hundreds of apartments with no <coughs> infrastructure to to support it, and uh, real estate agents. One thing I, I really respected you were doing was uh, you were questioning money. You were following some money around. And yes. you were saying, "Hey, you know, maybe we look at this candidate and." this money he's getting from this shell corporation that happens to be the company that's trying to get this done glossed over so we can do that. Yeah. And it's, that's something people need to think about. Well, it happens all the time. So, I, Oh yeah. yeah that's, and, uh, we might need to edit some of this out. <laughs> <laughs> you let but, me know. Yeah. I, um, no, I'm not going to disparage anybody. Uh, in fact, my new year's resolution is not to talk. If I don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I think this interview's over, Eric. Okay, yeah. It was good talking to you, Fleming. Thanks <laughs> nice a lot. talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, folks, if you don't know anything about Fleming Moore, you should definitely go online. There's plenty of places you can look. Uh, I always try to research people before they come over. I didn't dig up anything really scandalous, and I wouldn't bring it up anyway. But uh, there's quite a few episodes of Craft Conversations with Brian Dales where you tell some really funny stories, including... One about a bomb scare, which uh, people should definitely check out that episode of Craft Conversations. Yeah, that yeah, that comes. One thing good about Facebook. There's a couple good things about Facebook. One is when they your memories come through. Yeah, and that comes through every every Christmas. I think it was December the twenty seventh, twenty thirteen, and uh, I woke up and. <laughs> looked at my Facebook and said, Fleming, did you leave something <laughs> in Hutchinson Square? And it turned out that I just, I busted out laughing. There was nothing I could do but laugh about mistaking my harmonicas for an explosive device. But <laughs> Well, in, in the right hands, a harmonica can be a very effective explosive device. So it was the guitar strings hanging out of the, okay. the case that looked like wire. So the, they called the governor and wow. Wow. And they closed down the streets and <laughs> and thank God it was Sunday, so the stores didn't miss out on right. any shopping. Yeah. And, and I think the police actually liked it because they got overtime and they um got to play with their toys. Yeah, they got some they Yeah, they got up, to play out they, they got the actually, robot and everything? They got the robot out. Oh wow. And when the robot came and they said, Oh, it was just almost like Caddyshack where they find the <laughs> the baby Ruth is uh, it's I uh, said what musical paraphernalia is what the paper musical called. Musical paraphernalia. So it's musical. <laughs> but I had to, that was like $400 worth of harmonicas. Wow. So the trick was the police had my harmonicas. So I had to go into the police station <laughs> and, um, you know, try some more of my acting out and pretend like I was <laughs> really upset that this whole thing had happened. And, uh, oh, my God. But. And, oh, man. and they made me wait for like about 30 minutes and then they gave me my harmonicas back. They had to make sure that that was the extent of the paraphernalia that was in that case? Well, if they looked a little closer, <laughs> no tell. <laughs> we'll just leave that up to everyone's imagination. Yeah. Um, also, there's a really good interview with you on the Mufic channel with Kevin Church where you were talking about kind of your early life and your musical influences and things. And yeah. I try not to rehash other things because I want people to check out all that stuff. So go yeah. check out Brian Dale's Craft Conversations. Check out Fleming's interview with Mufic. Uh, Somerville guy, you might actually be the first person I've talked to on this podcast that's actually from here. Yeah, that, that's probably uh, 
the probability of that happening is probably three percent you know yeah yeah well you're first one out of seven but i have yet to talk to a non-bearded non-male so danielle will be a first in in that category somerville born said you've been writing songs since you were three years old kind of doing the weird owl thing with your brother's records yeah well no i've always had melodies in my head man yeah and um I remember riding, I was back in the day when dashboards were metal <laughs> and the seat belts weren't necessarily what you had in your car when you bought it. <clears throat> I was big enough to stand up in the back seat and hold on to the front seat of a 1960 Ford Falcon station wagon. Uh-huh. And I remember my little sister being in the front seat with my mom holding her. No baby, you know, back then they didn't, didn't have car seats for kids hardly. And I was making songs up for them because I was, I guess, always trying to vibe for my parents' <laughs> attention. And I, you know, you know how I am when I perform, I'm kind of ham it up. So I was, I was writing songs then. Always been the character. Yeah. What, uh, what made you want to pick up a guitar and play? Uh, I li really like the Rolling Stones. I like that song that I've heard you play many times, um, Wild Horses. Yeah. And my brother brought home a, uh, a prestige, I believe, guitar that his friend had bought on the Air Force Base, an electric guitar. Okay. And we didn't have an amp for it. But it, it was really easy to you know for to start off. So I learned a sure. lot, lot of bad habits for playing the guitar at a young age, <laughs> and uh, a lot of habits you later had to completely relearn. Well, no, uh, well that, that were erased from my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Fleming talks a little bit in one of the episodes where twenty eight was it had a stroke, had to just yeah completely relearn guitar from scratch. Absolutely. Then I have my good friend John Crookie, who a lot of South Carolina musicians or national musicians should know. He's uh, He sat beside me and tolerated me for many, many months as I relearned. Do you play any songs from before that time, or is everything you're oh, playing? Yeah, yeah, everything. I, I play everything. Yeah, that's... Yeah. So I, there's really no... I mean, you really don't divide it up as Fleming before, Fleming after. It's just Fleming. No, it's whatever comes up. <laughs> Stream of consciousness. Gotcha. You know. Gotcha. Uh, taught high school math for a while. Yes, I did. Anything from that make it into your songwriting? Um, Yeah, yeah. Yo-Yo is about a teacher I, I dated for a while. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah I did not know that. Yes. I said kind of early on that I, I considered you faithfully irreverent, which is kind of a oxymoron. You're, you you have faith, but at the same time, you're not very tied to to dogmatic approaches to it. And that, that right. may kind of apply to structures of teaching high school may apply to religious institutions and well it, it it has to do with institutions in general yeah yeah okay i i my father was a nonconformist and we all grew up to be nonconformist i mean like there used to be a back when i had hair yeah and yeah. back when <laughs> schools had dress codes back in the 70s they would want to send me home in third grade for having my hair too long, you know, okay. and stuff like that. And I, so I didn't fare well in the institution of school as a student and as a teacher. I got in more trouble with the principal <laughs> than I did when I was in high school. You find yourself trying to kind of change things from the inside. Right, and I worked at a yeah. church. That didn't work out too right. well. Another yep. institution. Uh, I guess the only institutions I've really succeeded <laughs> in would be mental ones. <laughs> Okay, if we were looking for a quote for the episode, that's the one. Were you playing harmonica right off the bat, or when did that come in? Yeah, my grandfather, so is he was an influence in, in that he had a ukulele and harmonicas in his bedroom. 
and I would sneak back there and play. He didn't like me playing his, of course, his harmonica for good reason, but, you know, kids are kids. Right. And uh, when he would be gone, I'd sneak in his room and play his ukulele a little bit. In fact, the first song I ever wrote, interestingly enough, was the day of my grandfather's funeral. Okay. And I wrote it on his ukulele, and it was like the first song that I, I claim, you know, yeah. that was I wrote the chords to and stuff and, and wrote the words. I realized that my grandfather, they kept him alive for weeks when they should have let him die. Mm. You know, hooked him to machines and ran up with, his Medicaid bill, yeah. uh, and a lot of times in Western medicine, we, we, we do that, not to be controversial. But so anyway, um, it's called It's Over. All right. Can you remember when you were young and life was so carefree You spent the nights Holding tight To the dreams you thought would be Well, it's over now It's over The world has changed all over and you're standing there like you don't even care It's falling apart When I was growing up You were always throwing up My mistakes to me And you did your best Trying to live in the past of a fading memory It's over now It's over It's all behind your shoulder You can look back But you can't go back To the way it used to be When we Young and free Every day Was another struggle to see if you could survive At the end of it all Nothing changed at all You surrendered and died It's over now It's over The storm has blown over And the sky is clear and you're lying there Like it was only a dream It was only a dream And when it's over It's over um, How long have you been gigging for? Uh, since I was 16, I guess, 16, 17, I was in a, a band. I forgot what we call ourselves, <laughs> but it was with, you know, one of those neighborhood bands that practiced in the frog of their parents' house. And, uh -huh. and, uh, we, we played maybe two parties together. That works, man. Yeah. And then, I, then there was a, I did a, some solo stuff at the dancing bear on folly beach a long long time ago so when it comes to uh looking for your music at the all i can find right now are 
You have three EPs and one single. At least that's what's up on Spotify and Apple Music. Right. When I, I think that's all getting ready to come down. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean... What you, what you taking it down for? Because I've amassed $14.97 over the last seven years on Spotify. <laughs> and uh, oh, I, I think had, it's... You've had a million plays? I, I, <laughs> no, I mean, first of all, I'm hooked into Reverb Nation, who's distributed it, all that stuff, and my yeah. I want to take over my web page, maybe. I got you. And this, you know, I think you know the for me, my focus is going to be trying to get some of my music, and I've been successful on a very micro budget level, uh-huh. getting my my music in film. Okay. Yeah, okay. get some sync licensing. Right, right, yeah. and, and try to to make more than fourteen dollars. I uh, <laughs> it's funny when my father wasn't supportive of all of me playing music. Okay, and uh, he uh, he told me one day, son, put that. I won't use his words, but put that guitar down. Good job. You never, you'll never make a nickel playing music. So anyway, fast forward after my, uh, twenty years later, and I'm putting stuff up on a site called IUMA back in the late nineties. Okay, Independent United Musicians, and uh, they would play your music and pay you. And so, oh I, wow! And so they sent me a check for a nickel. <laughs> and so I took it to my dad and said, "You said I would never make a nickel more than an, a nickel. I said you never make a nickel playing music." He goes, "I said more than a nickel, more than <laughs> or something along oh, those lines." Oh, come on! Yeah, it was funny. Get, so, a, get a nickel check in the. <laughs> I, I hope you've made a little bit more since then. Well, not well. Not a, not a lot. I mean, I'm out there too. It's not a lot. No, actually, it's the music, the money. It's somewhere else. I don't know where it's going. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I, I'm not. I'm to the point where I don't care anymore. I'm not playing music to make money. I, I would be nice if it would supplement my income. Sure, but you know, it seems like you know one thing. Having lived in my hometown and having run for mayor and the Bummerville Amphitheater thing, where I used to. So basically, I started Bummerville Amphitheater because it, the live music scene in Somerville was dismal at the time. Mm-hmm. There was no place for musicians who did original music to play, and this, or any music for that matter, it was like two two venues. And so I kind of put my thumb in the eye of of the chamber of commerce and stuff. But I'm I'm known for bringing music into venues yeah and so what happens is i do the cold call come in and tell them you know it's 150 dollars and my job is to keep people in here not to attract people to your restaurant hopefully your food is doing that yeah what i want to do is have them have a a good experience while they're at your venue and hopefully stay longer and drink a little more and you make a little bit more money that way I always thought that a lot of places that they put the onus of bringing people there on the musician, it's it's almost like they don't have faith in themselves, or they don't they don't take it upon themselves to create an environment that makes people want to come. You know, right? But that that's I I I I have less of a problem with that than I do making the cold call, going in there. Okay, I'm going to help you try to get music going on. Right. Then you post something on Facebook, and it's like the crabs in a bucket come and yank you down, and they go in there and they want to play, and the owner goes, "Sure, wants because I don't want to play there every week, right?" Right. Right. And they come in and cut you cut your fee by fifty bucks, and and so they kind of use my name, so people okay. are attracted to the, yeah. the venue, yeah, for the music, and then don't want to pay. So I, basically, I, I quit putting anything up on Facebook about where I'm playing. Okay. Especially if I've found a new spot. Mm-hmm. 
and I, I'm not advertising on Facebook about that crap. I'm not, uh, you know, God bless you if you can afford to play for free. But, you know, for every $50 that gets cut off of a gig, that's, you know, seven, eight DoorDash deliveries I have to make. Right. So, right. you know, I might as well DoorDash if I'm, yeah. you know, if I'm doing yeah. it for the money, you know. Yeah, I actually, well, it's funny. I, I've found that although there are more gigs to get here, there's less pay per gig here than, you know, where I came from. Right. Uh, and, you know, there's always somebody willing to swoop in for less, it seems. And I understand it's 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 the economy, you know. It's supply and demand. It's yeah. got a lot of musicians that are willing to play. And the, the thing about it is there's a lot of good musicians that hold down really, really good professional jobs. And so they don't need the money and they want to play. And I don't think they really think think it through. And God bless them and all that. I, I, I'm not going to spend any <laughs> energy on that. You know, they yeah. want to play music. I, I get it. But you're right. You can go to Savannah, Jacksonville, and make $250, $200 solo gig, two hours, you know. Yeah. So I, I think I'm being drawn out in South, you know. Are you? Yeah, I, I have been for a while. When it when it comes to those EPs that you put out, I mean, I know I know because of the distribution and reverb nation and everything, you're thinking of pulling them. Are you happy with the way they turned out? Are they? Um, yes and no. Um, what I like about them, one thing good about them is I can tell I was getting better by the time the third one rolls around. I'm way more comfortable in the studio. Um, I actually, if you look at the three EPs and you were to play the songs in the order that they are, yeah, it's a conceptual album. Well, I did. I actually, yeah, I listened to them so multiple it, times. Right, so yeah. the way it starts out, it's me, young guy, yeah. striking it out to go to Atlanta, kind of semi-autobiographical. Uh-huh course you know there's always a girl involved in and <laughs> in, in moving and stuff like that and then, yeah but then my life falls apart with ghetto <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep, and then yep. uh you know it's just about and i i keep writing so did you record all those in the same place oh uh, yeah I, I, I would let me get a shout out to cole collins and okay. my buddy mark collins and mc sound studios um mark and I didn't grow up together, but we went to the same high school. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's a just a phenomenal. Both of them are phenomenal musicians. You know? Who all played on this? Believe it or not, it, me. <laughs> I played on it. Yeah. No, um, I had Richard Harmon, who I was in a band called Podunk that we were uh, playing together at the time. He plays guitar on it. Uh but basically, um, Cole laid down the bass, the drums, really, the fiddle. Really, I, I, I paid him. I, he was a studio musician. I paid him. I laid down uh -huh. the acoustic, da da da, yeah. and and went like that. In fact, so was he? He was kind of a producer as well. He, yeah, he, he and I produced and, it together. Yeah. yeah, he produced it. He, uh, yeah, and he's something else so y'all should check out colecollinsmusic.com and might be somebody you you'd want to get out there to free house brewery yeah, I, yeah i'll put him i'll put him in the show notes yeah. uh i i always i always go through and i listen to everything and i make mm -hmm. notes and i miss the days of like physical copies of things where you can go through and read all this stuff because right right well see that that was the cool thing back in the 70s i, I had an album collection and it's, yeah and uh You'd open up the album, read the, the liner notes, uh, pull the album out, put it on a turntable, and look at the artwork. I guess they do that digitally with EPKs and yeah. stuff. But, but you yeah. know, that's it's not how, the same. Back in the 60s, you'd look at the bands and whatever the bands were playing, that would be what would uh, move the fashion. You know, you'd say, damn, I want some boots like Bruce's <laughs> guy like that. Or, well, you know, even in the days of cassettes and CDs, you know, I'd always used to pull the little book out and sit there and you know sometimes it have lyrics or sometimes it would just be 
I, I always look to see who recorded it, where they recorded it, who played on it, because I would see different names pop up on different stuff, and that's the sort of thing that interested me. Right. But, yeah, that's a thing I miss. It's something that it's almost embarrassing to have to ask you, like, man, I don't know anything about this other than it's there, you know? And that's what I liked about Springsteen. When he, his albums would come out, always had the lyrics. Yeah. You know, Whereas the Rolling Stones, which I love the Rolling Stones, <laughs> but sometimes you're trying to figure out, what's he saying in Beast of Burden? He can do what? I'm yeah. not so sure he knows, though. That's <laughs> no, the thing. you're right. Or, or, you know. Yeah. But Well, Dylan, some of those songs, if you printed out the lyrics, it would just be a book that you would get with that thing. Seven or eight verses of Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. Would, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> no kidding. So, uh those were your guys, huh? Springsteen and Dylan, were they kind of two of the guys that... What, so, the first song I ever fell in love with was Eve of Destruction. And you could probably... <laughs> if you listen to some of my music, yeah, you, yeah. you can tell I ripped that off. Um, I wouldn't say that. No, I didn't rip it off any more than, <laughs> than anybody else rips anybody off. Yeah. Um, but it was... It was Eric Burden and the Animals. Uh-huh. Then I fell in love with the Rolling Stones, and I was a Stones guy. Of course, I listened to the Beatles, but, you know, if I had to pick between you, the two. You're a Stones guy, yeah. I'm Stones. Yep. I'm not one of these both, and and I understand the Beatles. Yep. Musically are more sophisticated, but there's something about the Rolling Stones, that blues, three chords, and, you know. There, there's a thousand reasons that both sides are right on the Beatles v yeah. Stones. I'm Beatles guy, and I've got a million reasons, and you're a Stones guy, and you have a million reasons, and right, right. doesn't mean either of us is wrong. But no, no, not anybody that gets to know me and gets to know you, it makes sense that you're a Stones guy and I'm a Beatles guy for some reason. I'm not sure. So I was a Stones guy yeah. for from Beggars Banquet, um, up to Exile on Main Street, and they kind of. In 1975, my brother turned me on to Bruce Springsteen, uh -huh. and I was at the age where, you know, I was 15, horny as hell, <laughs> and, uh, you know. Oh, he just he, sang he, about that, man. But he, no, he, and I came from a small bedroom community, Somerville at that time, probably had a population of 3,000, uh -huh. lots of dirt roads, you could see the Milky Way at night, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh. When Bruce sings about giant Exxon signs and, and just said jungle land, it took me out of that small town thing and it made me dream of what it would be like to to live in the city. And, I, you know, I fell in love with this song called Incident on 57th Street. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. anyway, unfortunately, I became one of the characters in that <laughs> song. <laughs> oh, so when it when it comes to writing your own songs, uh, is it? Do you ever sit down specifically to write, or does an idea strike you and you're like, I have to write that down, or how does it hit you, believe or it does or, it hit you? In believe the same it way? or not, I don't write. I basically, what'll happen is I'll fall across a, a melody. Uh huh. Sometimes, or I will, and then I will. Whatever pours out of my heart, yeah, will, will be what it is, or what's going on with me. But sometimes, like the frontage road of the interstate of life, I could yeah. wish I could have claimed I coined that phrase, but I did not. A, a guy that I was worked at, I was working at a safety supply company back in the early '80s, and a guy named Marty up in Greenville said, Fleming, today I feel like I'm just looking by and watching because the place was located right on the frontage road, his, his, particular, his particular location. Because I'm on the frontage road of the interstate of life. And I said, damn, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good, I'm going to write a song about that one day and use that in a song. So yeah. I held on to that for probably six or seven years yeah that phrase and then had the opportunity with everything where i was in a position <laughs> where i was stuck on the first yeah. road of the interstate of life for about 28 days and, i gotcha and I, I i wrote it about a 
about an older guy. I yeah. just I don't mind saying I've been in rehab twenty seven times. No, I've been in rehab a few times. Uh huh. And it was the first time I went to rehab. There was this older guy, about my age now, or a little bit younger, that I wrote the song about because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have a wife or any of that stuff at the time. Right. So maybe we'll do that one too. So I've you know I've never been a one a person to say like if you don't come up with something completely whole cloth you can't call it yours. Some of being not just a songwriter but being an artist in general. Sometimes you hang around with a butterfly net, and when something goes by, you got to know what to catch, and you got to know what to throw back, you know. And right. some of I've written some things where I just hear a line in a TV show, and it's like, oh, you know that that's a thing. I I can do something with that. Right. Well, so, yeah. You hear some stuff, and it. I mean, and it, phrases and words and lyrics that that. Uh, create images you know yeah give me vision like when i see the frontage road of interstate of life first thing i see is a fence yeah (laughs) yeah yeah now if you're if you're writing a song do you hear other instruments do you hear an arrangement or you just oh yeah 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 yeah, i hear other but so and this circles back to being happy with with uh the recordings on the EPs uh-huh. is sometimes we tend to overproduce and you get an idea in the studio and you do it in the studio, but it doesn't marinate over time. It's like chasing a dragon. And right. If it and, doesn't end up. Right. The way so I, I'm starting to feel, you know, I'm going to be in the studio tomorrow. Yeah. With Noah Grove. With Noah Grove, as a matter yeah. of fact. So shout out to the Grove. And uh, I've worked with Noah before and it was really good experience and the, and the track ended up in a movie so that was cool and and it was kind of bare bones yeah and i'm i think i i think i'm gonna work on so that first ep folk songs for the apocalypse Uh uh-huh it should have i have a enough folk songs and apocalyptic folk songs that i should (laughs) have saved that title for for that so i right Another good reason to pull all that, that off. Could have been a double album, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've yeah. written songs now that lately that actually would fit that I didn't have enough songs for it, but now I do. I've written some songs lately that you know, with with the way the world's been turning lately. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. There's a lot to you know. It's kind of funny. It's not real funny if you listen to "We're All Gonna Die." It. <laughs> Hey man, I mean, well, it depends how you want to take it, though. I mean, it's not funny in terms of when it's time; it's not funny. No, but but, but what I'll, can you do but laugh about it, though, Fleming? Yeah, I know, but the th- <laughs> here's the thing: is that I wrote that before <laughs> Trump. Bef- yeah, I wasn't even about Trump. Right. I wrote it before the pandemic. Yeah, and you know. Yeah, so and, uh, you're saying you did this? No, no, I'm no. just saying. I'm basically. There's always been plagues. There's always been strong men who rule the world. Yeah, and so all you got to do is write about it, and that you know, apocalypse is basically what has always happened. You're always living in the apocalypse. I mean, every every time there's ever been, people said it was the end times and it was the worst times, and it's really at this time. And then five years go by, and you're like, "Oh shit! I wish it was five years ago. We were living great," you know. <laughs> or, or you like me, you don't think it's going to last past two thousand, so right. you party your ass off, <laughs> <laughs> and and then you you're all of a sudden you're you know you're you're 40 years old and you don't have any kind of retirement plan. <laughs> yeah. Have you been reading my diary? No, no. So I'm 40 years old, Fleming, and I don't have any kind of retirement plan. No. No. No, I can't. Well, we're all going to die. <laughs> I, I see about $15,000 hanging on your wall right oh, now. Oh, Fleming's just pointing at my guitars that look expensive but aren't. Now, you were talking about the tendency to overproduce things. Um, I'm reminded of, uh, I'm, I'm glad you were talking about Bruce Springsteen. Cause one thing Springsteen 
in my mind, has done right in his career is he's explored every way of doing a record. He did Nebraska, which was on a four track. I mean, so minimal. He's done things with the E Street Band. He's done things that he's like, I'm going to make a folk album. I'm going to make a country album. It's and, with Pete Seeger, man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Seeger Sessions. Oh, yeah. Have you ever, have you thought about taking any of those songs and I'm going to re-record them or I'm going to strip them down or I'm going to make the album? Any plans for that? Um, no, because I can't really afford to, to make an album. I got gotcha. I'm What I'm going to do, if I keep... I just signed with an, a different agent today with acting. So my focus is kind of acting and uh, the music's taking the back seat. Okay. And uh, so when, what I'd like to do is I've written a, a new song, a happy song. Yeah. Which I don't really write a lot of happy songs. Um, and I want to shoot a video for it and maybe... You know, instead of trying to raise twenty thousand dollars on on GoFundMe to, uh-huh. to do an album, maybe if I could raise like fifteen hundred dollars to shoot a video to get the okay. per- permits and, and do something like that. That's okay, fun. that's fun. You know, do you I, feel like your uh, your acting has given you insight into how to do more effective videos? And yeah, I've uh, now I um went out watch things i'm i'm watching which is uh and i watch it with a friend of mine who's also in the industry we look at movies and you look at it from a different you know from behind the camera looking and notice the subtleties and angles and you know i like series like goliath peaky blinders you you watch how they they make those things it's it's uh it's interesting you you start catching the content continuity issues and oh stuff. i'm stuff. bad about that right yeah. right but the right stuff i used to never think about before i started acting but. you can always tell when there's a like a really big name actor because when they go to do like coverage in a shot of somebody else you're like that's not the back of his head they were just having a different guy stand there while the yeah while the while the b actor was delivering their lines and so you're always seeing stuff like that well no just <laughs> or, or no like um like the way somebody's hair is combed, and and, oh, and yeah. they'll turn do it, the turnaround scene, and what'll happen is obviously it was a fourth take, and they yeah. instead of the hair being it's suddenly behind their ear, yeah. or, or you know, with with women's hair especially, you know, I'm bad about when people are like drinking stuff out of clear glasses, right? Or if they're eating something, and then you're like, wait a minute, that's the cheeseburgers getting more bites. As as it goes, or the cups getting fuller, or yeah, yeah. that that happens. <laughs> that happens too. But it's better than what I hate to see is when somebody picks up a suitcase and there's nothing it's in really it. Really light, yeah, yeah. And yeah. You, you know that it's not like anything. Right. That kind of stuff. Let's talk about your acting a little bit, man. So started out uh, elementary school, acting out in plays and stuff, and acting out just in general. You acted out, but <laughs> no, actually, I was a good kid when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh that's when i started listening to bruce springsteen everything went right started becoming rebellious yeah right so in and then in high school you did a little bit of directing as well yes what got you back kind of thinking i want to did it start with background acting and then yeah well what happened was is i was uh sitting around the house i'd just been fired from my an institution and i uh <laughs> Was doing. I was really getting at the Facebook and and getting stuff going on a bunch of social media. Yeah. I said, "Well, I could do background work. You sit around and wait. I could do all this while I'm sitting around and get, yeah. get paid." So I started doing that, and uh, the novelty of being on set. It was incredible to be around. And this was the Mister Mercedes, yeah, episodes that they were shooting in Charleston. Just to be around an ensemble, a group of of just carpenters, painters, uh, wardrobe people, seamstresses, electricians, everything you need for a movie set, you know, and they're all working and they all seemed happy and the the 
actors, the big big name actors were real nice to me and it, it was like amazing to be around a group of people who understand that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts and there there are really no small jobs or no small roles. Yeah. That they're working towards a project together. And um so anyway, they asked me, for some reason, they think I look like Bruce Dern. I don't know why, <laughs> but they, and they asked me to be his photo double, and then they gave me a trailer, and I got hooked. No. <laughs> I uh, thought it was fun, man, you know? And well, I cool, said, man. an old guy like me, you could, it's an easy way to make money, and plus the competition's dying out, you know? <laughs> well, I've seen you in Righteous Gemstones. We were watching... Might have been like the very first episode, and I'm like, like that outdoor. It was like a party scene or like a potluck or something. Yeah, was it was like, a church scene. I was right. like, that's Fleming back there, man. So yeah, that was, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, been in even some. Uh, got some, you had a few speaking roles. Yes. In, uh, yeah. Little yeah. Cooper, Time yeah. After Time, Holly Hill, Salt. Yeah, those are Holly Hill. Is coming out. It's they've changed the name of that. It's going to okay. be called Oaks on the Outside. It's by uh, a director called Adrian Romain, who uh -huh. is uh, works with Shadow Moss Entertainment here in Charleston. And it's uh, I'm looking forward to that coming out. I have one line. Yeah, one line, and <laughs> and I don't want to give it away. Oh, yeah, but. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I didn't have any, any trouble remembering the script on that one, but it was, it was fun. I'm glad I did that. That that actual day changed changed the trajectory of what I'm doing these days. I'm reminded a little bit. Do you ever see the Seinfeld episode where Kramer get, ends up on the Woody Allen set? Yeah. And the these pretzels are making me thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so you got these your pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but there is one thing that... I, I thought it was a little strange, man. I'm looking at your IMDb page and I see trash operator, homeless man, homeless man. Yeah, I'm getting typecast <laughs> as a homeless man, you know, but that's all right. Hey, you know. And that's what I would, yeah, and, and the, the, on the Oaks of the outside, I'm a homeless guy. Hey, it makes more money than $14.87 from Spotify. Right, over, yeah, <laughs> yes, it does. And it's, yeah. Yeah, man. But anyway, no, I'm changing my looks up. I'm gonna get some Botox and okay, uh, yeah, dye my hair. Move over to Mount Pleasant, and do the whole thing, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's gonna go right to your head, Fleming. It already has, Eric. <laughs> 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 oh man! Also, something that I watched, uh, Brandon TV. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh, that's coming out. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff that's getting ready to pop. I well, think. I actually, your uh, the episode where you audition is uh, on, and yeah. it's the video of your well, audition. Oh, it gets way better after that. You just can't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I watched that. Hey, so Brandon Stewart and, and yeah Ashton and Two Live Breathe, the judges, man, they were so cool. That was fun. I I, I wish they'd invite me back. Actually, I'd, I'd probably do it again because I um. It really is a song competition. Yeah. But so I um, approached it as a reality TV show and as an actor. When yeah. I, I might have should have been doing it as a musician, <laughs> but I had a fun time. It was fun. I actually, I had a laugh because uh, the, the, the only episode that you're on so far that's been released to this date was your audition. And I was actually, the audition was from the video I helped you shoot. Right. You did like a, a live stream. Well, yeah, they wanted me to yeah. come to Nashville. And I said, no, I'm not going to. I can't, for for I, this, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said, I'm not going to Nashville. And they said, well, will you submit a video? Yeah. A video. Well, yeah, so, what, I, what I laughed uh, about is they were there looking at the video and they're like, yeah, he's got a sock on the microphone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, it was windy that day, man. I yeah. couldn't find my, my. I was right. Yeah. You put. I remember that. I was sitting right there. Like right. Fleming put a sock on the microphone. And, they, and get this. But that grounded you. That that sock was what made you authentic, man. Well, well yeah. And the, but what's, <laughs> yeah, I, I think I might have used, uh, yeah, I, I did use the, that that song. That's right, the whole thing. But, you know, I actually, actually used that, that video in... In a 
that footage in a video walk by faith and, I saw I, that. and then i used uh the recording that i did at noah's uh-huh and the words it syncs up pretty darn good man you got good tempo man <laughs> I, I must do it the same way or pretty much yeah same way same time yeah is that walk by faith is that the so that's something you've already done with noah yeah i did that with noah and it ended up being in the that movie little cooper very cool yeah i was talking to her and said hey i'm you know she goes well i'll go listen and she goes hey would you like to use this song and then i added this other so anyway i you know <laughs> it's it's I, i'm gonna have to figure out how to do do it the right way but do what license it i mean you know oh, you work yeah. is a micro budget movie and say oh, okay give me 250 and you can use it forever yeah you know yeah you got to figure out how to do the like well, the in yeah. perpetuity thing where right and, but it's almost like when you play you know like if you you play a gig for at a an establishment that you know that's not like a chain or you know that's struggling to get their stuff together yeah you you don't you'll take a little hit yeah you, you because you enjoy doing what you're yep. doing it's like a micro budget movie this lady made this movie about horses being slaughtered yeah and the money that from that's generated from the movie goes to the the humane society to, for horses or the support yeah of the adoption of horses so you know why yeah, not you don't want to get greedy in terms right of that. and i hadn't yeah. had a song in a movie before sure so, so why not get one in a movie well that's cool man yeah that's cool um are there any songs that you consider to be just the pinnacle of songwriting is there something that you can point to a specific song and say you know if i could do that i'd be good i'd be satisfied um uh, i'm satisfied uh, <laughs> but no no the ones that inspired me i would you know um i heard lost in the flood by bruce springsteen i hate to keep going back to bruce but go if, if people people don't if they haven't listened to greetings from asbury park the lyrics to some of those songs yeah um I, I I wanted to write lyrics like Bob Dylan and Bruce Springsteen, you know. Okay. And Something I wanted that, to rock out like Keith Richards and yeah. the Rolling Stones. So. Something that puts you in a place and tells you a story and then has some swagger. Well, yeah, it tells a story, or, or you know, and, and uh, some that make you laugh, some that make you cry. When you listen these days, are you an albums guy? Or are you a singles guy? Or you know, ever since the iPod, I came out years and years ago i've kind of just been shuffling yeah yeah but you know and uh i bought a brand new used car mm -hmm. and of course they give you the serious satellite so you're you're going through the channels um and and so even with apple music you know you you want to listen to something and they'll give you the tom petty radio yeah so you're gonna get a shuffle up and i like that sometimes because then you 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 discover artists that were influenced by oh, yeah. Tom Petty that you've never heard. Before. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, a lot of people get scared when they Google something and then they go on Amazon and it gives them an ad or Facebook gives them an ad for whatever. But when the algorithm actually works in your favor, when you've been listening to some stuff and then all of a sudden Spotify or Apple Music says, hey, you may like this and it's something you would have never found any other way. Like I'm a big fan of when that actually happens. Yeah, and I like um, my music's on my iPod, uh -huh. and they they start shuffling my songs along with an artist that I really like. You know, the algorithm picks me yeah. up and says and it puts me right next to a, a song that's appropriate. It sounds like so it means I might be getting. That's close. encouraging, man. I might be getting close, right? Yeah, yeah. Whenever see my, my problem with Apple Music and Spotify and Facebook is there was a reggae artist in the '60s named Eric Barnett. And he's much more popular than I am. So anytime you look at like my name and it's like you might also like, it's just like weird 60s reggae. So right. I get no love from the algorithm. Luckily, there's not a whole ton of Fleming Moors floating around. Mm, there. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Uh, 
<laughs> not that you know about, right? Right, well. <laughs> so these days, what are you working on? You said you're doing a little bit of recording. Um, tomorrow, I'm going to record a song tomorrow with a couple. Maybe might get a couple of them uh -huh. done with Noah tomorrow. And then I'm um, shooting a film down in Savannah Salt on the 27th and 28th. Got self-tape auditions in, and I just signed with Coastal Talent here in Charleston. I had an agent down in Tampa, uh -huh. but I wanted somebody closer, closer by, and uh, I'm excited because they seem to be a little bit more hands-on, and three people that were on the Gemstones yeah. last night were out from her, her uh, agency or last Sunday night. Yeah, so. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, anything going on with Bummerville Amphitheater? I think Bummerville Amphitheater has accomplished what it, it can accomplish. <laughs> you I'll know, tell you, man. Actually, the music scene was di dismal. It's yeah. it's actually pretty good up there. The you know the paradigm is I, I'm I'm going to go towards more house concerts. I like that. Uh huh. And uh, maybe uh, do it outside the purview of Bummerville Amphitheater, but. Uh, I just really don't like being a live jukebox. I got gotcha. you. You know, anymore. I feel I, I'm, I'm the point. I'm 60 years old. Right. Right. I, I mean, some sometimes I need the money and I'll, I'll push through it, but I, I'd much rather play for two. I've been enjoying going to the soapbox out in Folly Beach. I'd rather yeah. play out there for free. People to listen. I can kind of test my new songs out. <laughs> Well, I've enjoyed how, the times I go, man. I I got it's a Monday night, and I got to get up at five thirty in the morning, so that really no. impacts how often I can go. Now, occasionally, if I get a text from Fleming saying it's my birthday, yeah, I gotta go. So maybe it should be your birthday a little more often, and all. Well, or, or <laughs> drag myself out on a school night, or or sign up for the six o'clock. I'm never gonna play and leave, though. That's. Well, no, you can, you're you're allowed to do that from time to time, especially if you want to um, try out a new song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the you know. <laughs> I maybe got to write some new songs. You will if you yeah. quit waking up at five thirty every morning. Wouldn't that be nice, man? Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Well, I'm uh, I I will say, man, one of the first fellows I met when I came to town here. Uh, what you've done with Bummerville Amphitheater, the people you've introduced me to, the opportunities you've given me, it's part of what kind of gave me the idea and the courage to kind of start doing this podcast and this songwriter showcase, man. It's something that, you know, I, I'm i I'm sort of a control freak, so I had to do it all myself. But well, no, that's, <laughs> it's good to be autonomous. This is a, a one-man show, man, dude. You don't... Not well, like you need a crew for this, right? Well, I'm I'm excited to to have you and and Danielle and Robert Lighthouse play the songwriter showcase. I'm gonna do live video there, three camera video, and cool. And uh, Freehouse has been pretty cool about letting me have this there. I said I I want to have original songwriters. Mm -hmm. I want to pay them for their time. Good and. I, I really want to set up a thing there where once a month people have a place to go expecting to hear original music. So I'm I'm hoping this continues to be a thing. I'm really grateful for you being a part of it since you're one of my influences and in getting it started. Uh, got a couple songs to share for us? Sure. And I just uh, want to let you know that I think it's a cool thing. And... Uh... Keep it going, man. I, I I plan on supporting. I love it. It's Sunday afternoon ish. I mean, I had a great time the other day. I thought it was that. I was, was going to see yeah. Dan Riley and uh, yeah. Scotty Oliver and Chris Dodson, and and that was my gig. It was <laughs> it was you. So that was cool. Yeah. Well, but, sorry to disappoint you. Like no, that, you but. didn't. It was fun, man. Those little kids playing by the uh, yeah marsh. It was yeah a well, nice spot man well it was something where when i was initially talking to him they thought well what would be a good time and everything and i i said to him um get, give me a sunday afternoon you're you're already busy fridays and saturdays you have a built-in crowd fridays and saturdays i want to try to actually make a thing where it becomes where you go 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, take a take a Sunday afternoon where maybe you possibly don't do the best business you could do, and yeah, and hopefully this podcast will get in people's hands, not just other musicians, because it's easy to get other musicians to come out. It's how do you get the average person to care about original music and not want to go hear a human jukebox? Um, that's the that's if you figure that one out, you let me know. But I um, I think it it can have. It's nice when people are there to listen, and yeah. it's uh, I think homegrown brew house was kind of headed that way, but you know things change. You know, they, I mean, there's there were times yeah. when the staff and Zeppelin Pizza is a good place where people yeah. listen, man. There's some, you know, I'm not, not, I only play a couple places. Yeah. If you see me playing someplace, that means the that staff. That means people listen. Yeah, the staff, the staff is supports the live music. If yeah. the staff doesn't support the live music, then there's no sense in being there. The second one is what I'm going to record tomorrow at Noah's. Okay. And it's called... My Molly, it's about a dog. <laughs> okay. No, it's I, I didn't want to use the person's name in the song because it didn't work. Right. But, but they have a dog, and uh, so I used the dog's name. Very cool. She was looking sweet from down on the street, dancing on her balcony. In the summer heat, I didn't miss a beat. I was grooving to her melody. Our eyes meet and she throws me her keys. I wonder what she sees in me. Oh my, my Molly, oh my Molly. I love dancing on your balcony From the foot of the stairs I can see her up there Teasing her red hair And God I swear I can't help but stare When she dances in her underwear Nothing compares to the love she shares I wonder if I have a prayer Oh my, my Molly Oh my Molly Oh my, my Molly I love when you dance for me I love dancing on your balcony summer at the Joe We're up here and our view is clear Slow dancing to the radio She's not afraid, she doesn't pull her shade She loves putting on a show Oh my, my Molly Oh my Molly Oh my, my Molly I love dancing on your balcony Oh, I love it when you dance for me Oh, my Molly All right, well, thank you so much for coming today, Fleming. Thank you for being on the podcast, man. Thank you for having me, Eric, and uh, kudos to you, man. Kudos to you, Fleming. Fleming Moore, everybody. 
Once again, I want to thank you for listening to Songs of the Unsung and invite you to go to our website, songsoftheunsung.com, to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We appreciate every like, click, share, anything you can do that'll tweak that algorithm in our favor. I thank you for that. Also, for the musicians that have been on the podcast, for those of you that have listened to the podcast and come to the show, to Freehouse Brewing, thank you, everybody. You're really going a long way to support local original music. Next up on the podcast, I'll be talking to Danielle Howell. We'll see you then.